In today's episode of Malicious Compliance, people conform to the letter, but not the spirit of a request. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel with notifications turned on and drop a thumbs up. My ex's divorce lawyer said, send three years of complete financials or else. I said, as you wish. This happened several years ago when my ex and I were going through a heated divorce slash custody battle. While we were married, we had a couple of conversations about how rich people hide their assets to avoid paying taxes. I never had enough assets to do this, but she somehow got the idea that I was and told her attorney that I was laundering money and hiding income. It was more likely the heat of the moment as divorce slash custody battles often come down to. I couldn't even afford my own attorney, so I represented myself. Her lawyer wasn't a total jerk, but he clearly was out to get me and he talked down to me like I didn't deserve to breathe the same air. One day I get a letter in the mail from him requesting an updated income declarations form and three years of financials. It had a long list of things to include. I own a communications tech company that was in a super startup phase back then. Money was already tight. I was trying to get this business off the ground with no financing. I was finishing my MBA with scholarships and loans. So paying for copies and postage or driving this 30 miles to his office meant eating peanut butter and saltines for a week. So I called him to explain my situation. He all but called me a liar and didn't believe that I couldn't afford it. I was put off by that and said I was taking time away from business I needed to handle. To which he replied, and I'll never forget this, Well, according to your income declarations, you're not that busy. What do you do all day? He then said if he didn't get these documents, he would consider my previous filings as fraudulent. Tell the judge, contact the DA, and also alert the state tax agency and the IRS. Probably an empty threat, but I'm no lawyer. Efax is one of the services my company provides, and at this time it was relatively unknown. So I asked him if he had a fax machine. He said he had a fax slash scanner slash copier device, then said, what law office doesn't have a fax machine? And I suddenly got an idea. Okay, I said to him, I'll put it together and fax whatever I can. Okay, jerk, you want three years of financials? You got it. I scanned to PDF every receipt I could find. McDonald's receipts from five years ago? Throw it in. Want her to include CVS receipt? It's three miles long. Perfect. They get the $1 off toothpaste coupons too. I downloaded every bank statement, credit card statement, purchase orders from vendors, and every invoice I sent to clients. I printed to PDF the entire three-year accounting journal, monthly, quarterly, annual balance sheets, cash flow statements, profit and losses. Not only did I PDF three years of tax filings, but every single letter I received from the IRS and state tax agency, including the inserts advising me of my rights. It took a while, but I was a few days ahead of the deadline. I made a cover page, black background with white lettering. Wherever I could, I included separator pages in all caps, boldest font that would fit on the page in landscape, 20XX receipts, 20XX taxes, etc. is how I labeled it. I merged everything into a single 150 page compressed PDF file and sent the document using my e-fax system. Every hour or so, I received a status email saying the fax failed. Huh, that's weird. Well, they're getting this document, so I changed the system configuration to unlimited retries after failures to keep redialing until it went through. Weird. I was still getting status email failures. I'll delete the failure emails and keep the success ones after it eventually goes through, I thought. Problem solved. Two days later, a lady from his office called and asked me to stop sending the fax. Their fax slash scanner slash printer slash copier had been printing non-stop. It kept getting printer jams and kept running out of ink and they had to keep shutting it off and on to print. I explained that her boss told me to send this by the 
deadline or else he would call the DA and IRS. Since I didn't want a call from the DA or IRS, I would keep sending until I get a success confirmation. I suggested they just not print until my fax completes, but she didn't like that. She asked me to email the document and I told a little white lie that my email wouldn't allow an attachment that big unless her boss in writing agreed to cancel the request or reimburse me for the cost to print and ship. I said I would continue to fax until they confirm they have received every page. She put me on hold and the attorney gets on the line. He said, forget sending the financials. I said that I would need this in writing, so I will keep sending the fax until he sent that to me. He asked me to stop faxing and he would send it in writing. I said, send it in writing first and then I'll stop. A long moment of silence and then click. About 20 minutes later, I received an email from his assistant with an attached signed letter in PDF that I no longer needed to provide financials. The letter then threatened to pursue sanctions in court or sue me for interfering with their business. Every time I saw him after that, the lawyer never brought up sanctions, lawsuits, criminal referrals, or financials ever again. This is a funny story, but it's kind of sad what this is actually a result of. He told her about how rich people hide their assets and then it created this whole thing trying to make it seem like he's hiding assets. But the strange part is, of all people, shouldn't she know if he has money or not if she was married to him and living with him? And I assume they have children since they're fighting over custody. And from the way he tells it here, it sounds like he was really in a bad spot financially, but nobody believed him, I guess. The actual repeated sending of the facts over and over and over again, somebody called paper bombing and they said, I do this generally via scan and email when the entire record is requested. I ask if the receiver needs the entire record or just the most recent court orders, case plan, assessment, etc. Most of the time they say they just want the most recent set of documents plus the entire narrative. Easy peasy for them and me. But if they ask for the entire record, then that is what they get. It may take days in between my regular work, but if you want four banker boxes full, you get four banker boxes full. I never copy and snail mail. They waste my time for unnecessary paperwork. They can waste their own paper and printer toner slash ink. In all the years I've done this, or 10 out of the last 19 times, I've only had to do the full paper bombing three or four times. So this is basically just office warfare. People spam sending faxes and emails at each other until they get overwhelmed and they want to stop requesting it. It seems like these malicious compliance stories are actually kind of just the guidebook manual on how to do all these little tricks because this is something I wouldn't have even ever thought of. But let me know what you guys would do if you were in this situation or if you have been in a situation, let me know what happened. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. 
That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. My mother-in-law lied about my baby gender, and now I have to see my baby in the clothes they brought. I'm a 30-year-old female, and November of last year, we gave birth to our first baby. It's the first in my family and the sixth in my husband's family, who is a 32-year-old male. It's important to say that all six kids are boys, and mother-in-law is in some sick baby girl rabies. Ever since we made the announcement, mother-in-law convinced herself that I was pregnant with a girl. I told her that once we knew the gender, she would be the first to know. We told her it was a boy and she was still convinced it was a girl. She told her whole side of the family that it was a girl. I corrected but she told them I was just annoyed because I wanted a boy first. I just wanted a healthy baby. I didn't care about the gender. She also told them we are naming the girl after her mom which we will never do because my husband hates his grandma. When the baby shower gift started to come I noticed that a lot of things weren't from the register. Embroidered things with grandma's name and it didn't matter. We told them the gender and the name and made it clear we are not lying about the gender. Everyone believed her instead of believing us. Well, the baby was born and imagine the surprise. It was a boy, just like we have been telling everyone. The problem for them was that now the baby has plenty of girly clothes, pink onesies, etc. And we are dressing our baby with them, specifically for his family video calls and for pictures for them. After a Saturday call, our mother-in-law called us to scream at us because we're making the elders uncomfortable for not sticking to a masculine color scheme for the baby clothes and we have to stop being this childish. She just thought my belly shape was more like a girl than it was a boy. We told her we will not be able to change the baby's clothes and to just wait until the dresses fit. He will look adorable. Am I the jerk? Okay, first off, how can you tell the gender of a baby based on the belly shape of the mom who's pregnant? Is that even a thing? Is that just a made up thing or is that really something that people know about? Second, I think for most people, it's a bigger deal than the OP is making it seem like where your baby shower, which some people are really counting on to get supplies and things they need for their baby, are all full of things that they don't really want for the baby because they want to dress the baby like it's not a girl. But what they're doing is kind of cool. They're just putting the baby in those clothes. So ultimately, the parents themselves don't even really seem bothered by it. They just say, hey, you gave us these clothes. We'll put these clothes on. Who cares? But it's the mother-in-law herself who's upset about it which is the same person that made this whole situation come to be. So if anything, the mother-in-law should say, hey, let me help you return the clothes so we can get clothes that are for a boy baby, if that really matters, which it's a baby. I don't think the baby's going to care one way or another, but it really seems to be a big deal to the mother-in-law. So let me know what you guys think. Was the OP, the mom here, a jerk or not a jerk for handling it this way? And what would you do? They told me, I don't care if he's dead. Put him on the phone. My father died on Father's Day of 2012. He was divorced and living alone and I am an only child. So that means I had to wrap up all of his affairs. This story centers around us trying to get his utilities canceled. I called in to see what we had to do to get them to cancel. And the lady I spoke with on the phone said that we need to send in his certified death certificate. I sent in the certified copy of his death certificate the next day. The next month, we got another bill. I called again and a new woman answered. She said that because I wasn't on the account, she had to speak with the account holder. I informed her that the account holder is dead, but she wouldn't budge 
fudge. I had to make an appointment with a supervisor so she would speak to him herself in person. I showed up at the Board of Public Utilities with another death certificate and his ashes in the clear bag that they returned his remains in. I plopped him down on the center of her desk and said when she talked to him to tell him that I loved him for me, the woman went pale, flew out of her chair and called the cops. When the cops showed up, she claimed that I had assaulted her. And yes, my dad's remains were still in the middle of her desk with the death certificate. The cops questioned me as to why I would do that. I told them the story. The supervisor's boss was called in and they all stepped away from the desk for a private talk. While they were talking, the cops came over to talk to me. They said I shouldn't take human remains out in public, but there were no laws that were broken. I said that I agreed with them that it was extreme, but she insisted to speak to him in person. By the time they were done talking between themselves, the supervisor's boss kissed up to me and got it taken care of. But the story isn't over yet. I had to call back a few days later to get the utilities back to the house in my name. When the person on the phone saw the address in my name, I was immediately put on hold. The supervisor's boss that finally helped me got on the phone. She sucked up to me and waived all of the fees that come along with setting up utilities. Just as the call was ending, she informed me again that she was so sorry for the employee's lack of compassion. She said the employee was terminated and again, she is so very sorry. Was I the jerk? So either this woman that was terminated didn't understand that he was dead or she's reading off of some sort of call prompt that has some rule that says we must speak to him no matter what. I can't really imagine any other scenario besides those two scenarios that could even happen here because she wouldn't logically make sense even to herself if she's asking to speak to somebody who's dead in order to turn off the utilities. It didn't even make sense. And it is sad because he has to bring the ashes to the building in person to kind of dredge all this up when it's probably painful. So let me know if you guys have ever been in a situation like this. And if you haven't, what would you do? And do you think it was too far to bring the ashes to the actual building jerk or not a jerk and why?